Welcome to the audio podcast of The Father's House. We hope and pray you are both challenged and encouraged by this time in the Word. Today, I'm going to be talking about the table of the Lord, approaching the table, coming to the table in communion. And I really do believe just what God's been doing in my heart, what I believe he's doing in our church in these days, that at the end of our service, at the end of our time together, we're going to take communion as a family, as a community, and I believe that God is going to encounter us this morning. I truly believe that. I'm not just saying that, blowing smoke. I truly believe that God wants to meet with us. And so I really want you to prepare your heart throughout this time together for the end, that you'd say, God, would you come? Would you show me who you are? Because that's what he wants to do today. That's why we're here in this place, is to lift the name of Jesus, to encounter him, to meet with him. But as we continue on in uh, 1 Corinthians, we're going to look at the back half of chapter 11. Now, if you want to dive deeper into head coverings and, and women, and all of that, that's in the front half of chapter 11. I'm not going to tackle that one today, so we're going to go into the back half of chapter 11. And as we've been cruising through this series, Paul is addressing many things that were going wrong in the church in Corinth. Okay, Corinth was kind of like a San Francisco of our time. If you think of that influential city, port city, a lot going on, but it was also very wicked, perverse. There was a lot of um, sexual just perversion happening. So it was this crazy culture. And Paul did decides to plant a church in the middle of Corinth. Because how, what better than to have a church in one of the darkest places? So Paul plants this church there, and the church is growing. It's a supernatural church, a move of God. People are getting saved. They're getting baptized, added to the community. And about like a year and a half into this church plant, Paul says, hey, you guys are in capable hands. I'm going to continue my journey in, in planting churches throughout Syria. So he heads out. Well, then he gets word a little while later from the church leadership at the church in Corinth, and they're like, yo, it's not going good over here. We're going to need some help. Basically, the church was literally falling apart. They were letting culture seep into the church. And so Paul, hence why he's writing this letter in 1 Corinthians, he's having to deal with disunity and dishonor. They're suing each other within the church. They're sleeping with their stepmoms. They're getting drunk before church services. It is crazy. It's wild. And the culture is literally making its way into the church. And just a thought here, a lot of times when we let sin and corruption into our lives or into the church, it actually causes us to question our foundation and our faith. It makes us go like, and I know all of us have experienced this before. You're doing your own thing and you're living your own way. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, what do I believe? And you start to get off course because sin literally separates us from God. It causes us to drift and go all these crazy ways. So Paul is writing this letter to help correct and direct the church back to the pattern that Jesus had given them to follow, back to the pattern that Jesus had designed for them. So today we're going to pick up in the back half of chapter 11, take a look at this as he's talking about how the church was not honoring the table of the Lord. Verse 17, he says, But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order for that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. But when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. 
And then Paul reminds them of the pattern that Jesus gave. He said, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a person examine themselves then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Paul is addressing one of the most important meals in all of mankind, the table of the Lord. And it was being mistreated and Paul was there to remind them that they're coming in an unworthy manner. As verse 27 says, they're just approaching God however they want to, doing whatever they want. And this is a holy thing. This is an important thing. And in those times, the supper was like a feast. It's like a, a church potluck. You know, you bring all your stuff and you share with everybody. In those days, the classes were very separated. So the rich would share with the poor and they'd bring wine and they'd feast and then they would break bread and they would celebrate what Jesus had done for them. It was this whole un- unified community thing. Well, what's happening here is that the culture's slipping into the church The rich people are bringing the food and they're eating it all before the poor people even get there. Not only that, they're getting completely tossed on the wine before anybody shows up. So you got, the poor people are showing up, there's no food, these people are drunk, they're freaking out, there's chaos, division, and all of this is happening around the very thing that is supposed to be holy and set apart. And Paul's like, what are you guys doing? They're coming to the house of God and taking communion in an unworthy manner. They had serious problems. But let me tell you, even in the church today, the global church, there is problems happening all around us. And you may be thinking, well, I'm not getting drunk on these communion cups. I mean, it would take quite a bit of the Welches to get a buzz. You know what I'm saying? Just throwing those suckers back. You might not be getting drunk at church, But we can treat the holy things of God as though they are common. We can come into the house of God and just treat things as, "Eh, here it is, this is what we do. And you could write this down today. If we aren't careful, we can come to the house of God, but not honor the God of the house. And I'm here to warn you today to, to use the words of Paul as he's speaking to the church in Corinth, but he's also speaking to the church today. It's applicable to where we are today. That the things that started out in love and passion and zeal and, oh, I love God and I want to pursue him and run after him, can eventually become cold, can eventually lose their power and their, their drive because we've let the holy things become just common and ordinary. We can forget that we even need a savior. We can hold it, grudges towards one another. You could have unforgiveness towards people even in this room right now, three seats over. You're like, that guy? No right? You could be offended. You could come into the house of God with stuff in your heart, and you can even live a lifestyle that you know is not God's pattern or design for you, but you're just choosing it anyways and walking down this road that you know is not good. Let me tell you this. When we approach God however we want to, we feel like 
we can do whatever we want and however we feel, when we go outside of his design and his pattern that he has set in place, there will be consequences. There are consequences to basically straight-handing God and saying, I'm going to do it my own way. Let me just tell you, we are in a culture, we're in a time right now in the world where people are just doing whatever they want. Just like the Corinthian city, they're just oh, this feels right to me and this is what I want to do and I don't care what the Bible says, I'm going to do it this way. And they're just going down their own road of whatever feels good to them. And Jesus is literally like, there's going to be some consequences because I am the God of the universe. I am the creator of this world. I'm the creator of you. I know you better than you know yourself. And I have put a pattern in place. I have made a perfect design for you to follow. But there will be consequences if you step outside of the pattern of God. This is Paul's warning and rebuke to the church. He's saying, there's going to be separation from his presence if you choose your way and not his. There's going to be a lack of spiritual power within the church, within the body of Christ, signs and wonders. There's going to be a lack. And our hearts are going to grow cold and calloused if we do things how we want to do them. And this very gift, the very tool that Jesus gave us through the body and through the blood can become just a date on the calendar when we drink the juice and eat a wafer in a church service. And my heart and passion for you today, church, is that we are reminded again of the power that is in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. That we don't take this lightly, that we don't just go how we feel and approach God how we want but we actually follow his pattern and his mandate. Why? So that we can honor him and the way he deserves to be honored and not end up like the Corinthian church and approaching him in an unworthy manner. Paul's exhort to us today, Paul's rebuked us, however you want to take it. Paul's telling us as a church, don't forget what is holy. Don't forget what is set apart. Don't forget the pattern that Jesus has put in place for us, the believers, the Christ followers. And as often as you do this, as often as you take communion, as often as you come to the table of the Lord, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Now listen, I've grown up in church and I know we've watched the Passion movie. We've heard about the cross. We've been in Easter productions. We've seen it all. And there can be this stigma or this thing where you're just like, Jesus died for our sins. Bless his heart. What? <laughs> when you remind yourself again of what Jesus has done, a song that we were singing in Vacaville today, when it gets to the bridge by his stripes and his tears and the broken body, and you remember again what Jesus has done, man, there's got to be something inside of us that rises up. But guess what? We live in a wicked, messed up culture with their own patterns, their own designs, their own ways that lure us into temptation, into the one, whatever the flesh wants is what I will go after. And then we end up powerless as a church, powerless as believers, confused in our identity, and we're just like, I don't know, I checked the box off, I went to church, it was great, they did a couple good songs, there was a girl up there in a blazer, I mean, I don't know. No, that is not what God intended and how he intended for the church to run. What holy things have we made common? Just think about it right now. In your own world, in your own life, in the church, what things have we made common? I, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is worship, right? Worship, definitely not here at the Father's house. You guys are crushing it. I'm talking about all the other churches. You know what I'm saying? No, this is for all of us. Worship can become common. Oh, it's just songs right? You walk in, you sing a couple songs, but worship is not for us. 
And when we understand that this holy thing that God has given us is more than just songs, that this worship is actually to please him before it's to please us. Like when we come in and we're just singing some music and you're like, oh, I got a little goosebump. Oh, I love this one. I'll raise my hand for this one. We've missed it. And it's become common. And when things become common and outside of the pattern of God, it loses all its power. But when you remind yourself, well, worship is a weapon of our warfare. And when the church lifts up their voice, when we come in and we exalt the name of Jesus and we say, we crown you, we, we fall face down, we worship who you are. The Bible says that he is enthroned on the praises of his people, of his church. That means when we're just singing songs, but it's turned into a fragrant offering, a worship unto him, that he literally comes and he rests on his church. And then we get the benefits of it. We get his presence. We get his healing. We get all those things, but it was never intended for us in the first place. It's intended to bless the heart of God, but just like that, it can become common. So we got to be aware. Another one is his word, right? Some of it's true. Some of it's just old throughout the old Testament. We don't need that. Let's just do, you know, I'm going to read the Psalms. That's all I'm going to do. Versus, no, this is the infallible, divinely inspired word of God that will never pass away. There is power and authority in his word. It actually keeps us fed. It keeps us alive. It keeps our spirits going. It keeps our foundation of our faith strong and secure because it's built upon the word of Jesus Christ. And we cannot let the word become just a common thing in our lives. And there are times where we can go months without reading the word. We can go months without the bread of life and we call ourselves Christians? Dude, I'm speaking to myself too. I'm not just rebuking you. We can go days. Think about if we looked at this as real food. And yes, there's people in the room that have done a 40-day fast, so this doesn't count for them. But I'm saying if you went weeks without food, it would not be good. But we are in a time, we're in a culture right now, especially in the westernized church, where people are going months without the word of God. They have a little, little piece here on a Sunday. Thank you, Pastor Dave. And they try to make it months without the living word of God. We cannot treat the word as common. It is alive. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces between bone and marrow. It brings conviction to places in our heart that we cannot do on our own. There's power in the word of God. Another one is communion, which we're going to focus on today. We drink the juice, we eat the wafer, that is what it is. Versus, through communion, we have access to God in a way that those of the Old Testament only dreamed about. That the veil has been torn because of what Jesus did on the cross. His broken body and his shed blood made a way, not just for the priest, not just for the holy guy behind the curtain, it made a way for every single one of us that called Jesus our Lord and Savior. It made a way for us. There is power in communion. There is power coming to the table of the Lord, and we are done treating it as just a common thing, a religious ritual, a check on our box to say, we did communion this month. It's way more than that. And we are in a time right now where the church is going to wake up. I'm prophesying it out. The church will be awake in this hour. We're not going to fall asleep to the lies of the enemy and get laxed in our approach to God. We're not going to go through just some routine and just show up and, and feel better about ourselves. No, we are going to approach God in the way that he deserves to be approached, with honor and dignity and obedience. Everything that he has done has made a way for you. 
And maybe you have forgotten that. I'm believing by the power of the Holy Spirit today that he's going to remind you. It was by his love. This is all because of love. This isn't all just to to beat you over the head and go, get it together. Jesus is holy. No, because of how good God is and his perfect love, God sent his one and only son for you and I so that we could have a relationship with him, so that we could experience everything that he is. So today, maybe you're asking, how do we approach the communion then? Like, what are we supposed to do? We just, I don't know yet. Well, let me give you a few things. Number one is this, be obedient. Over and over again, he says, do this, do this, do this. Jesus wasn't confused in what he was asking us. He wasn't just like, if you feel like it, you guys could try taking communion. No, he was like, do this, do this, do this. He put a pattern in place and do this often. We got to keep coming back and back again because how many of you know you forget? You could literally be in a church or experience the presence of God, get in your car, the kids start freaking out. Next thing you know, you're cussing at people on the street and you're like, whoa. We just lost the Holy Spirit within five seconds of leaving the parking lot. Like that, we can forget. So he's saying, do this again and again and again. Remind yourself of who he is. Be obedient to his word. And take it not just as just a small thing. Don't take it lightly. Don't mistreat the things of God, but approach him and, and be obedient to his word. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Number two, examine our lives. Verse 28 said, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. We need repentance. We need repentance in the church. We can't just show up and just come before God. Although communion is designed for the sinner. This is for us sinners. Thank you. How many of you just thank you, Jesus? It's for sinners. Jesus died while we were still in our sin. He knew us. He knew what we do. And yet he gave his life for us. But we have to examine ourselves before we approach the table of the Lord. Now, I know a lot of you, you maybe grew up, you know, in a religious background or, um, you know, in the Catholic church. And there's this stigma that, like, I can't go to communion because I'm not good enough. And I have to do A, B, C, and then I'll take communion. That's not who Jesus is. He's saying, examine yourself and check your heart and get the stuff out of the way and then come right in. Come right in and remember what I've done. It means you can't just show up in your dirty sweats and be like, God, here I am. I don't really care. I'm just going to eat it. No. You want to you deal with the stuff in your life and say, God, here I am, which is why we need repentance. We come before him. I'm telling you, wake up every day and repent because we're all messed up. You had a weirdo dream. You got thoughts going on, you know, all this stuff. Repent every single day. God, forgive me. Wash me clean. Now, we don't treat grace and mercy sloppy and just like, oh, he's going to forgive me anyway, so I'll just keep asking for forgiveness. No, no, no. That's not how it works. But you come before me and say, God, if there's anything in me that would keep me back from you, if there's any unrepented sin, if there's a divided heart in me, if there's offense, if there's bitterness, God, would you reveal it to me? And then you give it to the King of Kings. You let him wash you white as snow with his precious blood And you come before him at the table of the Lord. And number three is this, remember. Verse 24, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. It wasn't just to have a memory of Jesus, right? To just go like, oh, that was so cool when he did that. No, it was to remember the power and the authority 2,000 years ago is still the same today. It's still, the the blood still has power today like it did 2,000 years ago. 
And I want to just shake us up a little bit, church, and say, the power is still available to you today. And the power is still available to the Father's house today, to our church community. God's not done. He's not finished. It wasn't just for a small group of people. And he said, that's it. Those are the only ones. No, it is for everyone who acknowledges that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. Jesus told Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What was the rock? It was the revelation of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. That's what he's building his church upon is the revelation of what he has done for us. We cannot forget this. We cannot lose sight. We cannot treat the holy things as common. He paid the highest price. He paid the highest price for you and for me. He gave his only son. He had you in mind. And he didn't pay the price so that we could just sit in religious experiences and just be dead in our our sin and just, oh, here we are. No, he paid the highest price so that we could live the abundant life, the fullness of what he has that we could live confident, even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of our chaos. It says he knew our grief, he knew our suffering. He experienced it in the garden of Gethsemane. He literally asked the Lord, would you take this cup from me? He bled out his sweat. He was sweating blood because of the pain and the suffering because sin had to be judged. Our sin had to be judged and he took it upon himself so that we didn't have to. And I don't know about you, but when I think about that thought right there, no matter what level of sin you have found yourself in over the years, he took it upon himself. And he said, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done for my kids, for my church. And listen, he's coming back for a beautiful spotless bride but he's not coming back for a church that has forgotten. He's not coming back for a people who are like, oh. no, he's coming back for those who are passionate, for those who are burning on the inside, for those who say, you know what? I'm gonna be dead to my own desires, my own sexual desires, my own identity, my own thoughts, my own career, my own dreams. I'm gonna die to those things and I'm going to live the abundant life that Christ had paid the full price for because his pattern is perfect, his design is perfect, and it is the only way. It is the only way. Let me remind you, it is the only way. Jesus is the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. There is no other way, church. And if you are in bondage, if you're in sin, if you're in a dark place and you've been running from Jesus Christ, his reminder to you today is come home, come home, come back to the King, come back to the Father. He paid the ultimate price for us. And as long as I'm on this planet, my cry and my heart for our church is God, don't let us treat the holy things as common. Don't let us just go through routines. Don't let us just be a big church that gives a lot of money away. No, let us literally remember all that you've done again and again and again. We come back to the table of the Lord. We come back to the blood that was poured out for us and we remember again what he has done. And a few weeks ago, I was just kind of going through like a, well, Lord, where are you? And I, it was early in the morning and the Lord woke me up or the birds, I'm not sure, but I got out of bed and I went into the living room and I was just like, Lord, I'm doing everything I can. I'm praying, I'm leading your people, 
I'm a worshiper. What, what, what more? I feel stuck. I feel like this lid. Do you ever, have you ever felt that where you're just like, God, where, what, where are you? <laughs> Come quickly, Lord. So I'm sitting there and I just sense the Holy Spirit just say, go get some bread, go get some juice. And it had been a while since I had had communion by myself at home. You know, we do it at Pursuit. We do it here on the weekends. So I went in the kitchen, got some wheat bread, peanut butter and jelly bread, and then some orange juice because it's all I had. And I came out to the living room. It's still dark outside. The family's asleep. I just got on my knees and I just began to ask the Lord. I was just like, I need to examine myself. Lord, if there's things in me that are keeping me outside of the pattern that you've designed, would you just, would you just bring them to the surface right now? So I'm just waiting on the Lord. And I went to take the bread, you know, because I'm like, we're just going to do what we do. We take the bread, we, eat the, we drink the drink. So I go to bring the bread in my mouth. And like, I couldn't get the bread to my mouth. I just began to weep. And just this fresh revelation of the body that was broken for me, just, it came over me. And like I said, I've grown up in church. I've done so much communion. I used to steal the communion cups after church, throw them in my backpack, take them home, eat them while watching movies. Like, I've been around the church. I've been around the table of the Lord. But this moment was a fresh revelation again of what Jesus had done. And I, lo- I could not put the bread to my mouth. Like literally, I was like trying and it was just like, the Lord's like, no, no, no. Let's, get, let's deal with this. Let's deal with this. Here's this thing. And stuff that had been hidden in there that I maybe even wasn't aware of just began to come to the surface. And I just was so grateful of like, Lord, that you're so kind and you're so good that you gently remind us. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not beating us over the head. He's literally like, come to me. I paid the price. My body was broken so you could be made whole. That abuse you had as a a child, the divorce you walked through, that addiction that you've been struggling with, I paid the price for that so that you could be healed. So took the bread, picked up the juice, and again, I just said, Lord, I thank you for your blood that was poured out so that I could have a relationship with you so that I can have full access to you, to the Holy Spirit, to have a relationship that goes beyond just surface level, but is supernatural. And the Holy Spirit just blew over my heart in that moment. I just felt this igniting again as I remembered. And in the back half of that that verse, it says that you will proclaim my death until I return. What does proclaim mean? It means to preach. Now you're like, well, I'm not called to preach on the stage. Who are we preaching to? We're preaching to ourselves and we're preaching to our enemies. Because guess what? The enemy knows, he saw that Jesus died on the cross, but he didn't just stay in the grave. He prophesied that he would raise three days later. And what happened? He rose three days later. Our God's not dead. He's alive. And he's telling us today that there's actually power It's a weapon when we take communion. It's not just some sacred thing where we just bow our heads and take it. No, no, no. We're preaching to the darkness that's all around us. And that morning, before the sun had even rose, I began to preach to the enemies that were surrounding me. I could feel inadequacy and insecurity and fear and panic trying to come over me. And I began to declare, no, no, no. Because of the blood of Jesus, I stand in a different authority. I'm not standing by myself. 
I am preaching, I am proclaiming, I am declaring the work of the cross because my God is not dead, He is alive and there is supernatural power and strength that He has given His church and when you feel like you're going under it, you remember again and you proclaim again to every enemy, every power of darkness, every thought of defeat, all sickness, all hell, the grave. We preach the good news of what He has done. Oh, death, where is your sting? It is gone because of what Jesus has done for us. And we can stand on that authority today, church. There's some of you in the room. The enemy has crippled you. The enemy has caused fear to drown you out. You feel like you're going down. You feel like sin is gripping your spirit. You're confused. You're wasted. And today the Lord's saying, no, no, no. You're not by yourself. I didn't go to that cross on accident or in vain. I went to it for your freedom and your boldness to stand up and say, God, It's only by your stripes. It's only by the cross. It's only by your broken body that I can stand today. And I just love that thought. You're preaching to your enemies. They're all surrounding you and you're like, what? What? Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. You're a liar and you have to go. And literally in my living room, I begin to tell the enemy, you are a liar. Get away from me. Get away from me right now with that depression thought, with that hopeless thought. Get away from me telling me I'm not gonna be good enough. Get away from me holding my past to get me. Get away from me. And guess what happens? The enemy flees because at the mention of the name of Jesus, our enemies scatter. And in this hour where the world is getting darker and it's wicked and it's messed up and wars and rumor of wars, we need a mighty church to stand up and say the blood of Jesus still has power. It still has power today. Thank you, God. So as we close this morning at all locations, we're gonna take communion together. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna position ourselves for an encounter with the Almighty. And if you're in this place, you've never had an encounter with Jesus, you've never felt Him, you've never heard Him, I believe that in this moment right now, in Napa, Roseville, East Bay, we're going to encounter the presence of the Almighty God as we repent, as we examine ourselves and then say, God, we remember, we proclaim, we declare your goodness this morning. So you can get your emblems. I just want you to close your eyes as you're doing that. Now there is one requirement to coming to the table of the Lord and that is salvation. You can't take the body and the blood if you don't believe that Jesus is the only way. If you're in this place today and our other spots and you're saying, The Lord is not my savior. I've walked away, or maybe I've never known him. I've never said yes to him. I've never given him everything. I'm not following the pattern that he has for my life. I'm actually going completely against it. But today, I feel something different, and I don't wanna live my own way. I don't wanna do just what feels right for me. I wanna live God's way. And today, you wanna make that declaration and say, Jesus, you can have it all. I'm done trying to figure this out on my own and you wanna make him your Lord and Savior at every location, just lift your hand in here in Vacaville. If that's you and you're saying yes to Jesus, come on, this is awesome. It's a beautiful moment. You're giving him everything. There is no other way but this way. He sees you today. I'm just gonna pray a prayer over you. In Romans, it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you are saved. And even just in your own way, in your seat, I'm not gonna have you do anything crazy, just repent, give God everything. Tell him you're sorry for the way that you've been living and then say, God, here I come. 
And so Jesus, I just thank you for those who've said yes to you this morning. In all our locations, and all our cities, and here in Vacaville, Lord, I thank you, God, that you have been drawing them since they were young. Lord, you've known them by name, and you're not mad at them, but you're welcoming them with open arms this morning. And I pray that it would be more than just a moment on a Sunday when they lift their hand, but God, that they would make a step forward to say, Jesus, you can have my life. I give you every part of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Right now we're gonna take communion. If you wanna go to your knees, I know there's a lot of concrete at our campuses, but if you wanna go to your knees or just posture yourself right now just to receive from the Lord. And we're not gonna, I'm not gonna lead you in taking the bread and the juice like we normally do. I just want you to do it on your own. We're just gonna create just a, a moment here just between you and the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna read this passage over you and just at your own time, you take it when you feel ready. And just ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, examine my heart. Know me, search me, God. And we're positioning ourselves right now to encounter the King of Kings. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. That on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing, you are proclaiming, you are declaring the Lord's death until he comes again. So right now, just give every part of you to Jesus. God, we thank you for the cross today. thank you for the cross today. God, we thank you for your body that was broken, your blood that was shed. God, we thank you that you are alive today. And Jesus, we just remember again, we remind ourselves again, all across this room, on every campus today, God, we remember the goodness of who you are. And Lord, we position ourselves as a church for true encounters with you. God, that you paid the price so we didn't have to stay where we are, but God, you wanna take us from glory to glory to glory. If you're here today, just put your hand on your heart if you're wanting that fresh encounter. Just say, God, would you encounter me? Would you encounter me like the first time again? He's so good, he's so kind. Lord, we thank you. Just in your own words, just thank him today. God, I thank you. Whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, you're right there with us, Jesus. 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen. For more information on our church, log on to our website at tfh.org or check out the TFH app.